one thing I wanted to clear this up. Uh, you'll notice in the last couple months I've been wearing suits, and um, this is a brief personal note. Um, the reason is I, my wife had a, a mothers of preschoolers formal engagement to do, so I had to buy a suit. It was the first one I ever owned, and they were having a good deal on, on uh, suits if you buy two. So I went ahead and got a black one and a brown one. And at the rate that I've been gaining weight lately, I thought I'd better wear them as much as possible. So that's it. I'm not trying to trying to flaunt anything or make anybody feel feel bad. I just that's it. Um, also, I was thinking about every time I tried to think about. Um, oh, I should tell you why Lisa's not here. Lisa and Jesse. Jesse was up all night with an ear infection, and. Um, and so, you know, we decided since I have to talk this morning that she would go ahead and stay up with him most of the night. So that's that. Um, uh, every time I try to think about, you know, whether I should prepare something or not, I just, it, it like, in my mind, it just kept, I f- automatically floated to teaching. And I know that that's not what this is about, so I just decided I'm not going to. I'm just going to speak off the top of my head. But I did, I was going through my office, cleaning my office, and I did find this, and I thought I'd read this. It's uh, George Eliot's quote. don't know who that is, but he says, Blessed is the man who, having nothing to say, abstains from giving wordy evidence of the fact. Um, so, um, my story, as I, I used to tell uh, non-believers, goes like this, and I want to own a do this, if you will. Um, I was working. You guys remember that that we had slavery. Uh, all you kids, you have here. I'm trying to talk to you kids just because I don't want to exclude you, but you all have your heads down. Um, everybody remembers slavery. That we had slavery in this country. Uh, black people were were enslaved, and that was a real uh, embarrassing thing. It's embarrassing to live in a country where where we enslave people. But my story. As a as becoming becoming a Christian is kind of like that. Um, it was like I I was a slave in this plantation. A plantation is where, you know, you could picture the big house at the front, with uh, with you know the wealthy master and all the slaves working in the in the big backyard and the big fence around it so they don't escape. And everybody has a big chain with a ball around their ankle. And uh, this one day I was hoeing back by the back fence and. Just working and sweat's pouring off my back, and uh, um, I heard a noise by the the wall, and it was like, "Hey, come here!" And I said, "What was that?" No. So I just kept working, and, um, and I said, "Hey, come here!" So I turned and I kind of worked my way over to the wall, and I listened, and uh, I heard this voice said, "Hey, you can be free." And I I said, "Whoa! I don't want to mess with the master because when you mess with the master." He beats you with a whip, and it hurts, and you get scars, and it's just it's awful. So I said, go away. And so I kept working. He said, no, no, I'm serious. Come here. You can be free. Just go to the master's house and give him this name. Gave me the name to give him. If you say this name, you'll be free. So I said, nah, that can't be true. Nobody would be in here if, if that were true. So I kept working, and uh, a few days later, I heard that voice again, and I found myself keep work, uh, working closer to the wall because I wanted to hear it again. Even if it, I didn't believe it, I wanted to hear it again. And um, finally, you know, I got it into my head. If I say this name, 
to the master, he has to let me go. And I thought, you know, I'm in this this awful place, you know, working my tail off. I really don't have anything to live for. You know, what's it going to hurt? So one day, I finally, I just threw down my thing, picked up my ball and chain, and I went to the master's house, and I, I said the name. He reached down. I thought he was going to knock me out, but he, he reached down, and he stuck a key in my lock, opened the chain, kicked me out the front door, said, you're free. Get out of here. I was blown away. I didn't know what to do. So I ran around the whole plantation into the city, and I was just going, yeah, I'm free, I'm free. And, um, and then I thought, you know, where is this, this guy, this guy's name that I said that, that all I had to do was say his name, and it set me free. Uh, you know, does anybody know this guy? And they said, yeah, he's, he's over there. So I went to this guy, and I said, hey, I heard that, that you paid for all the slaves to be free, and, and if they just say your name, they get to go free. And uh, I said your name, and I got free. I, what can I do to, to repay you? He said, you can't repay me. I'm, I got everything, you know. There's nothing you can do. If you want to, go, go back to the wall and tell somebody else. And so um, I went back to the wall, and, and I whispered in the wall, hey, come here, come here. And I, I told them the story. And a lot of people don't believe because it's just, it's it's too easy. And that's kind of my story, you know. We're all slaves to sin. And um, all we have to do is say Jesus paid the price and uh, Satan has to let us go. And um, there's really nothing we could do to repay God for what he's done for us. Um, but just out of our love for him, we go tell other slaves how they could be free. So that's that's that. That's my. That's the story. Um, uh, you want to know more? Start asking questions. You know, I'm to an extrovert man. A captive audience for thirty minutes is an awesome thing. So you know, I really, I would appreciate it. if you have a, if you think of something while I'm talking. Hey, go. Oh yeah, I'll I'll talk. Yeah, I got thirty minutes, man. I'm talking, but uh, I just I just if you want to interrupt me and ask a question, feel free. Um, and by the way, Amy, you remind me of a joke. I mean, you don't remind me of a joke. You <laughs> you remind you being pregnant reminds me of a joke I heard this weekend. Um, pregnant woman, she's due any day. She says, uh, "Honey, I I I think it's time. Call the doctor." And man calls the doctor. And he says, "Doctor, I, it's time." Doctor says, uh, oh, how far apart are the contractions? How far apart are the contractions? Two minutes. Doctor's two minutes. Okay, now, is this her first child? And No, this is her husband. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, you have to explain that to the kids. Uh, so I was uh, I was born in a home with a mother and a father and uh when I was five the basic gist of my childhood is I my dad I think was a Christian and my mom wasn't but my mom knew where eternal life was located and um I I went to when I I grew up in Arizona mostly and I visited my relatives in Kansas every summer and um some some of you may know my uncle Terry Barker and my aunt Susan and um every summer it was like it was awesome because you know there was a loving family for two weeks I'd stay with them and it was a loving family 
singing Bible songs in the car and, and praying before we went to bed and um, uh, going to a vacation Bible school. And, and um, when I was five, somebody told me, you know, if you want to go ahead and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, and I prayed the prayer. And uh, But I grew up, um, you know, knowing that Jesus was the way. And I, I knew that in my heart. I knew that was true. Uh, but my life was, d- my parents didn't reflect that. While they would have, they agreed with that, They, the, their lives, they weren't living for God. It just, it really confused me. Um, as I grew, like I, when I was 10, I remember my mom dropping me off at the church on Sunday mornings. And uh, my parents didn't go to church, but they did drop me off there. And so I was like that, that kid in, uh, have you ever had Awana? Have you ever been to Awana? You know, I was like that kid that never knew any verses because his parents didn't work with him, and it's really sad because we had this cool Awana thing where if you learn a certain amount of verses, you get to go on all these campouts and stuff. So it always sucked for me. Sorry, it was, it was bad because I didn't get to go on any of those things. Because, uh, you know, anyway, ooh, sob story. Uh, uh, so my parents divorced when I was eleven. And, um, uh, my mom remarried when I was 12 and my stepdad was not a believer and he, he basically indoctrinated me into the, the atheistic religion. You know, there is no God, you know, just a real worldly Budweiser pretty much was king, uh, uh, sort of thing, uh. A lot of alcoholism and um, verbal abuse and stuff like that. But uh, so I was I was really mixed up. While growing up, I knew that Jesus was the only way and Jesus was my savior. Um, by the time I was seventeen, I was pretty depressed and uh, and uh, just didn't want to live anymore. And um, you know I'm trying to consider that there's kids in the room and if it was just adults I'd tell you that the gory details but um what it comes down to is I didn't want to live anymore and I didn't have any hope I'd really truly forgotten that or or been blind to the fact that Jesus was there I f- forgot that he was God I forgot that he loved me I forgot everything because I had been so long that I had been sinning and not reading the word of God it had been 12 years um, so I just didn't know anymore that, that, uh, I could pray and that sort of thing. And, um, one day when I decided to do something drastic to myself, actually I, I had, a, I lived off anger. My stepdad, my stepdad loved me and I didn't know it. He was trying to make me into his idea of a man. And after having ba- basically being raised by my mom, I was pretty, pretty wimpy guy. And uh, my stepdad, when he took over at 12, he thought, boy, I've got to get to work on this guy, make him tough. And uh, while trying to make me tough, I wasn't built to be his son. I was built to be my, my dad's son, which was more creative and musical and stuff. And um, so in, instead of making me tough, he made me mean and evil. And, and I internalized all this hatred for my stepdad, and I really wanted to end his life. And... Um, I finally reached ahead on, on February 4th of 1990, which was 15 years ago, 14 years ago. Um, I decided that it, that it wasn't worth living anymore. And um, 
for three days I thought about, um, you know, just that I didn't, let's just say I didn't want to live anymore. And, um, and on February 7th, in desperation, I went to school just because I didn't have anything better to do. And they gave me an assignment that I had to wrap this, this piece of blue fur. It was like we were making a product that we were going to sell. It was manufacturing class, um, marketing and manufacturing, something like that. And the assignment was take this square piece of blue fur and wrap it around a round ball. And I sat in my room for hours because my parents weren't, I didn't have a relationship with my parents where I could ask them for help. And um, couldn't figure out how do you wrap this square piece of fur. I didn't think about, you know, the baseball. You know what a baseball looks like? It's two patches like this. I couldn't think of that. Don't know why. But anyway, I I had these neighbors across the street from my house that I'd never met before. And uh, I don't know why I did it. I just took my blue fur and my styrofoam ball and I walked across the street and I knocked on their door, which is totally unusual for me. And I, and, um, I remember when they opened the door, they had guests over for dinner and they were all sitting around the table and the food was out and everything. And they're like, hello? Oh yeah, you're the kid across the street. What are you doing here? <laughs> I said, I need help with this assignment. I was all totally dorky. And, um, they knew, immediately knew what was going on. I mean, I didn't know, but they knew. And uh, they said, come on in. And I was like, no, that's all right, never mind. And uh, they said, no, no, I want you to come in. And um, and uh, they seemed like within a few minutes had the guests gone, you know. And um, they sat down with me, and they just they knew exactly where I was. And uh, they told me that, they asked me if I knew that Jesus died for me, and I said, yeah, I, I remember that. I prayed the prayer when I was five. And um, they said, well, do you know what sin is? And I said, yeah, it's bad stuff. I, I've got plenty of that. And they said, well, Chad, it's real simple. You've been sinning for 12 years, and and you haven't confessed that to God, and he's right there waiting for you. Confess your sins. Just tell him you're sorry. Um. And, uh, you know, just for safe measure, I said, Lord, please come into my heart. And, uh, you know, I said, I am sorry for my sin, and I do want hope, and I do want to live. Um, and, uh, man, I prayed that prayer, and, like, w- within a few seconds, you don't know what 12 years of sin, well, some of you do. 12 years of sin coming off your back has a physical feeling. I mean, I, I just felt like, I felt like I just went to heaven right there, man, I, um, it was a load off my back, and I remember I, I went home about 11 o'clock that night, and I, I, as I was walking down across the street, I, f- I expected, for some reason, I expected that there were, you know, I, f- I just found the secret to life. I thought, I thought there was going to be a party for me when I got home, you know? Like, my parents were going to go, oh, it's wonderful. And I remember my mom, as soon as I opened that door, she looked like a demon. She liked to grab me by the hair, and and just scream at me for pff, no reason, and uh, so it was from February of 1990 until I graduated from high school in um, uh, May. It was the most miserable time in my life. I was a brand new Christian, and um, and I spent all my time over at uh, the neighbor's house, yeah, being discipled and um, just basically talking about the Word of God and stuff and. Um, uh, it's funny, I, 
I had done uh, a lot of drugs in high school, and uh, my mom never accused me of doing that. But as soon as I became a Christian, she accused me of being on drugs. Uh, so anyway, I decided that I was going to get out of there. Well, here's one thing. I didn't understand. I asked I asked the people who led me to the Lord. I said, um, is it okay? To g-? My friend had a birthday party coming up in March, and he said, you want to come? And, I, you know, even though I told my new, my old friends, you know, about Jesus and stuff um, and the change in my life, um, I still wanted to honor my friend and go to his birthday party and stuff. And I asked the people who led me to the Lord, is it okay to drink? You know, and they, they were honest. They said, you know, it's not a sin to drink, but, you know, drunkenness is a sin. And uh, so I said, okay. So I went to this party and, you know, one thing led to another and uh, ended up getting drunk. And I, the next morning I felt like I had just committed the unpardonable sin. I, um, I couldn't talk to God. I, I was, he'd saved me from so much that I just couldn't bring myself to believe that he could forgive me again. And so I just gradually spent less and less time over across the street at my neighbor's house and, um, and eventually felt pretty lost again. And, um, uh, I decided I was going to move to Kansas to be near my uncle Terry cause I knew he was a Christian. And, um, so as soon as I graduated, I, I moved to Kansas and, uh, partied for a month cause I brought my friend with me, party for a month. And then, and then my friend, it was time for him to go back. And he said, well, come on back. And I said, well, I'm going to stay a week longer. And I knew what I was going to do. Uh, as soon as my friend left, I said, God, if you're real, I'll give you seven days. And I was so arrogant. I said, God, I'll give you seven days to show me that you're real. And if you're not, I'm going back to Arizona to live my own life. And um, six days later, I went to TBC. And uh, this little kid, his name's Jonathan Kern, he, he, he said, hey, we'd really like to have you come over to Hank's house. Uh, we're having a youth thing, whatever, and uh, I remember Amy, I remember I, I I was really excited, but I said no, and then Matt, Ma- this guy Matt Mason called me and said, hey, we really want you to come, and they begged me, you know, and, and finally I decided to come, and I was really excited, so I, I went, and I was like a half hour early, so I went over to the quick shop there on 6th Street, and I, I remember Amy, because I had a crappy old Nova, and she had a crappy old Nova, <laughs> hers was white, mine was red, and um, I remember seeing her, and then later seeing her there at that thing. Uh, but that night, I just, it was like, boom, all these Christian friends that I, you know, that was what I really felt like I needed back in Arizona with some Christian friends to encourage me and keep me accountable and stuff. So I grew a lot in the next several years, and, and God used me a lot. Because, I, see, I, I live with my grandparents, and um, there was no rules whatsoever. And I remember I had cable TV right there, and... You know, the first day I just inked the courthouse thing and wrapped it around the TV and turned it around. Said, I don't need that. And um, I opened my Bible, and, and there was Romans 12, 1 and 2. It said, uh, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Is that, is that right? It seemed like it is. Um, and I said, Oh, what can I give you? And what can, how can I offer myself to you? And God, you know, here I'd been a Christian for several months, and uh, nobody ever told me it was bad to cuss or smoke or, you know. Um, so, you know, it's right there. God just said, hey, you, if you want to, 
get rid of the cigarettes. So I did. Um, and, um, yeah. And so I, I w- was going to the high school group, even though I was out of high school, I was going to the high school group at TBC. And I just saw all these Christian kids that had been raised in Christian homes. And I thought, man, um, I got, these people are so wise and so godly. You know, I just have so much catching up to do. So I just kept my mouth shut and, and read my Bible 24 seven. And, um, I didn't real I didn't even understand that there was such a thing as complacency Christians who knew God that weren't loving him with all their heart. I didn't know that. So ultimately within, a, within a few months, you know, people were looking at me like, you know, uh, as a leader and as all, because I was just seeking God, you know? And, um, so it was cool. Uh, God used us in a lot of ways. Um, I decided, you know, uh, what do I do now? I need to go to college. Um, what do I, what do I want to be? Oh, Hank's cool. I'll be a youth pastor. Um, so I went to Moody Bible Institute and, uh, never was exposed to hypocrisy and, um, until I got there. And, uh, so I, uh, uh, really got discouraged because I was I was seeing one thing in the Bible and I was seeing another thing in in my Christian leaders, and rather than say God I want to you just use me I'll be an example um, I turned I rebelled against my authorities and I just uh, in also rebelled against God and so I started sinning and became just kind of walk like I was walking around in darkness and. Um, Eventually dropped out at, at Moody and uh, came back to Kansas, and it seemed like uh, wasn't it was no time. But before I started hanging out with bad friends, and, and I would just like get so deep into sin that I didn't know what to do, and so I'd move, and so I moved back to Chicago, and uh, and then I'd gra- meet more bad friends, and then I'd get deep in sin, and then I thought I got to find God again. Where'd He go? So I'd moved back to Kansas, and this happened a couple of times. And finally, I, I was living in Chicago, and I was down on my rent, uh, unable to pay rent. And I thought, well, this is a good time to get back with God because I need some rent money. So I went to this coffee shop, and um, I had my, I plopped my Bible open. Didn't even read a word of it yet, but I thought, I'm going to repent tonight, you know. And I plopped my Bible open, and this girl that was working at the coffee shop, I was sitting right by, like, I didn't know enough to know that this was the employee table. So I was in the wrong spot, but she she was working at the counter right next to it, and she looked over and she goes, "Is that a Bible?" And I was like, "Cause I hadn't repented yet, so I you know I was mean." I said, "Yeah, what's your problem? <laughs> get out, get out of my face, you know?" And she goes, "Why are you reading that?" And she was like, just full of evil, and um, I said, "None of your business. Get out of my face." And she, so she just kept, she would help a customer and she'd come back and sit down and just yell at me. And I, I knew the truth and I did want her to become a Christian even though I wasn't ready to repent. And so I just told her all I knew about the Bible and stuff. And and so we we became friends and, and we would, uh, you know, together, we'd do bad things together. Not anything like boy girl just you know alcohol and drugs and um but she would come over to our house she was 
I knew she was searching, and I lived with seven ex-Moody student guys that were carnal, and she would come over there, and I remember one night sitting on the floor in a circle around her, and she was just like firing angry questions at all of us, and we were all just telling her the truth, you know, because it was, we were all, we all wanted to love God, we were just so selfish that we were sinning, and, um, and I, I remember this one night, we were sitting in a coffee shop, and, uh, this girl comes in and offers us drugs, and, and I was like, yeah, and, and this, this girl across from me, who had been talking to, um, said, she just, like, kind of had this blank stare, and she's like, no, no thanks, and, I, and it was, the Holy Spirit just hit me, you know, this girl is ready to know me, are you going to be part of this, or what, so I, I immediately, like, went through my internal sin calendar, what sin did I have planned for the future, and just said, oh, I don't need to do that, don't need to do that, you know, finally got everything crossed off and said, okay, Lord, I'm sorry, please help me to, you know, tell this girl how to become a Christian, and um, so I said, well, let's, let's go back to my apartment, and I, you know, I was really not wanting to confuse any relationship, boy-girl things with the gospel, so I, I just said, hey, there, you can use my bedroom, I know you're, I know where you're at, so just, just talk to him, just pray, you know, he, he, whatever you want to say, all you got to do is take that step of faith, so she went into my room, and, and she came out a, a born-again Christian, and that, there was no doubt in my mind, and um, so I, I, uh, we read the Bible. It was like 80 below in the middle of winter in, in Chicago. The wind chill was 80 below. So we'd barely left. I quit my job. She uh, she worked at that coffee shop, which was right around the corner from my apartment. So we just like, she stayed in on our couch. And, and uh, like all, within a week, all my roommates had repented and everybody was on fire and everybody's just having 24-7 Bible studies. And, and um, so we were so encouraged that this evil woman could become a Christian. Um, and so I, I like, I, uh, plugged her into this, um, there's a place in Chicago called Japusa, Jesus People USA, and it's all like, it's a Christian community with all these Mohawk piercing people, and, and, uh, I just thought that would be the best place for her, and, um, <laughs> so, so I showed her how to get there, and, and, um, and then I moved back to Kansas, and, uh, got a job at a coffee shop, and, uh, just, try to try to live a normal life I don't know anyway so within no time at all I'm again living in sin in Kansas and and Lisa who that evil girl ended up being calls me up and says um, you know man what, what are you doing you know you're an idiot I'm gonna come out there and kick your butt so she she comes out to Kansas and um, stays on the couch where I was living and and just prayed for me every day and just witnessed to people I was hanging out with and, and uh, eventually I repented again and and we just started witnessing all over the place and I mean we were like we were like hippies you know we just didn't really we weren't on the college career track to say the least and um, so we just started preaching the gospel we both worked in coffee shops and we just preached to all the kids and there was like kids coming to know the Lord all the time and, and they were just they were like like us, so they would just end up living with us. Finally, we got after twelve people were living in our apartment, they kicked us out. And um, oh, I need to be conscious of what I say because uh, <laughs> certain things that that yeah. Anyway, that aren't specifically about me. Um, 
I have more freedom to tell my personal life than my wife does. Um, anyway, uh, you know, the, the latter half of my Christian life, uh, that was about four years into my Christian life. The, the last 10 years, I would say, you know, has been growing up. I was, I was raised by my mom, and I, she would forgive me no matter what I did. And so I, I understood God's grace, but I really, I was never disciplined. I never taught to discipline myself. Um, and so the last 10 years, it's like, I think that I've been learning to not see myself as a child, but rather to start seeing myself as a parent and um, just needing to grow up. And, uh, you know, some of you might know, just real recently, I had what I would I like to hope is my last bit of immaturity where I just, you know, don't take responsibility for my actions. Um, you know, my as a Christian, my story is like Israel, just, you know, being really stupid and then having God bring me back to him and um, then being really cool and then being really stupid again and over and over. And, um, you know, I really, really think that that's, part of my past now because I really want to uh, I don't want my kids to to think that that um, living a double-minded life is okay you know I want them to love God with all their hearts and and not have to go through the pain that comes with sin Um, I noticed you guys didn't ask any questions is there anything that comes to mind nothing That's that's a good question. One thing that Lisa and I struggle with is, you know, you hear this this uh, teaching, let go and let God, and I, you know, my my experience leads me to believe that it's not letting go so much as it's it's obedience. It's a uh, uh, making a, a once a, you know just making a decision to to obey God's word. Um, there, you know, there's. I wake up every morning now and I say, God, if you allow me to be tempted too much, I'll screw up. So please go easy on me today and uh, and help me through what, you know, I'm willing to do whatever, I'm willing to go through whatever, but you got to be there for me because I can't do it on my own. And that's my letting go part. But then but then after I get up, I, I uh, make a willful decision to crack my Bible no matter what's going on and... Um, you know that's not that's not a hundred percent every day, but it, it is uh, for the last several few months, couple months. It's been uh, at least five days a week, I would say. Just is that right? Tell me if I'm lying. I don't know. My kids are no better than me. I th- I think it's been uh, 
at least five days a week, every week for the last couple months. And, and I, I just don't think that I could, can make it if I'm not opening that book. I've, I've been in situations where, um, you know, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but you know, there's power in the word of God. I've, I've been around people where I just quote the word of God to them and, and, and demons flee, you know, it, there's power in that word. And it's like a, it's like a light, you know, you just open it and read it. And that light is, is going to, God's going to fill you up. And, uh, if you don't, um, it's just opportunity for Satan to, to get a foothold. So I would say reading the Bible and praying, pray about everything. Uh, I used to blame Lisa for, uh, you know, if she was grouchy with me, I would say, oh, I have, I have a right to go get drunk or I have a right to escape this by doing this or that. But, you know, God, that's, it's weird. God holds us accountable for our own actions no matter what. And I think that that uh, my joy has come from saying, God, no matter what, I will I will obey you to the best of my ability, no matter what. And uh, when things go hard, they're still hard. But um, rather than solving it on my own power, I just say, Lord, I'm going to obey you no matter what. Um, so. Well, uh, to be honest, I feel like I'm a I'm a immature Christian as far as Bible goes. Um, I've been getting a lot out of James because we're doing that in Sunday school. But uh, when it comes to my personal Bible reading, I'm in Proverbs every day just because it's like I can it's like potato chips. I can just eat one. You know, no one can eat just one. And I just munch those, and um, it's it's the Word of God. You know, but. Yeah, Pro- there's so much good stuff in Proverbs, you know, and and it's it's really easy because it's like there's a there's thirty thirty days in a month. There's thirty one chapters of Proverbs, so we just stick to that. If we go beyond that, great, but that's the bare minimum, you know. Ah, I just I got a couple minutes left, and I'm gonna maximize this time by saying I really appreciate this church. When I went to TBC, I w- I was Hank's intern for a year, and I would walk by the the little office on the corner and there's like Lowell Ramsey and, and Mike helping in there and I never really talked to him but you know uh I just I there was like light coming off Mike you know and I don't say that to to puff you up I just say I just say maybe you know maybe God's giving me discernment I don't know but I always just knew that that you walked your walk and um and since I've been going to this church um it's you know, that's proven itself. Mike doesn't beat around the bush. I respect people who are willing to say the truth. Um, you know, I really respect people who are willing to say the truth in love. But ultimately, some truth is better. <laughs> you, I mean, you know you know what I'm saying. Uh, some truth is better than no truth. So uh, people, I can think of several guys at this church who have been willing to... Uh, uh, Dan, he disassociated himself with me for a while, which really ticked me off. But ultimately, that was cool because I I could go, hey, that was that that was good, you know. Um, Brad and Mike been over to my house yelling at me a few times. John Hunt preached a sermon that I thought was directly at me. <laughs> St- Stan Langhofer, uh, 
well, Stanley Alford just just being his godly old self has been an example. And um, uh, Sean emailing me, Kevin emailing me, um, you know, I just feel like we're a church that that is not about dressing up or or doing the right kind of you know functions or religious rituals we're about trying to be godly and that's what god wants and you know if we don't grow in numbers that's god's business man what what we can do is we can try and uh offer ourselves to him on the weekdays and when we come together just be have that holiness directed as one body up to him you know so i'm thankful to be a part of this church Yeah, Billy. Oh yeah, it's uh, Lisa Barker. I'm I married her. I'm. Thank you for asking that because I forgot to tell that part. And you know what? She's not evil anymore. Yeah. So, thank you. <laughs>